The reading today is from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in church at Colossae, grace and peace to you from Christ our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, that you already have heard about in the truth of the word, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told told us of your love in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus, uh, something we've just uh, sung about. And we pray this morning as we uh, start this series in Colossians, you would help us to understand and and love this gospel uh, deeper as we see the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, as it's been mentioned, we are starting a series in the book of Colossians this morning, and we're going to be working our way through the book uh, for much of this term, and there are are two verses in the book that kind of sum up uh, the book as a whole. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, let me read those. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Uh, so a couple of uh, short verses just to, to give you a, a broad summary. Uh, it's the Apostle Paul who's writing the letter to the Christians in Colossae. And he's writing from prison, which we'll see in chapter 4. Uh, Colossae was a Gentile region. It was once a, a colossal city, hence the name. Uh, and the major, uh, the major Roman trade u- uh, route used to passed through the city, but a new route was built uh, that ended up bypassing the city, and it became a city on the brink of insignificance. Jobs disappeared, and people became, uh, and the city itself became somewhat overlooked. And some people have said that it's the least important city that, which Paul ever wrote an epistle to, uh, which I think is, is still a pretty decent claim to fame. Uh, it's a city where people started to feel overlooked. Uh, And I think that's helpful for us to bear in mind as we go through the letter because I sense it's a feeling that a lot of Christians have at the moment, the feeling that what we want or what we need right now is out of our reach. Uh, it's, It's as if we're not a main priority. For many of us, life is really disrupted and and fragmented, and it's certainly that way for us all as a church because we simply can't all be together uh, as we wish right now. Uh, I think there are two particular reasons that this letter is important for us as a church. Uh, Firstly, because it reminds us of the depths of the riches we have if we are in Christ. It reminds us of the depths of the riches that we have if we are in Christ, Uh, something that can never be taken from us. And secondly, because it's a letter that calls us to maturity in Christ. 
Maturity in Christ, something that we should all desire. Uh, So let's take a closer look at at these first eight verses. Uh, Paul is writing to a church who he's never met before, which is a a pretty bold move. He's an apostle of Christ. Uh, The word apostle, of course, means messenger. And he was was called to this role by God uh, in a very, very unique way. And he's got... Timothy there with him, a brother in Christ, as he writes. Now, as an apostle, Paul has a particular authority. Uh, It's not just an authority that he's claimed himself, not like someone who gives themselves a nickname. Apostle is a title. It's a title that's been given to him by God. And the reason he has heard of this church is because this guy named Epaphras has visited visited him and, and told him about it. Uh, Epaphras himself is a Colossian. He was the one who who brought the gospel to the Colossians. But he comes across some problems in the church, which we'll see uh, later on in the letter. It seems that Epaphras has sought out Paul for some guidance, and what follows is is this letter to the church. And like a lot of Paul's writings, he he doesn't waste his words. When we write an email, uh, we might try to say something nice to begin with. I hope you're keeping well, or I trust you've had a good week. Maybe that sounds familiar. Uh, Paul says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. He never misses an opportunity to spur on those he's writing to. And as we'll see uh, later in the letter, grace and peace is exactly what the Colossians will really need going forward. Now, Paul's often very pastoral in the way he writes. Uh, This is a church where problems have arisen, And yet he takes time to write about the things that are going well to begin with. Uh, There's a great benefit in thinking through the way Paul goes about addressing the problems that arise. He spends this whole first chapter encouraging these believers, sharing why he's thankful for them, what what he's been praying for for them, uh, and what they have as a result of being in Christ. He goes through all of these things before even mentioning that something might be wrong. And I think there's something important in that. Uh, When we're interacting with our brothers and sisters, often we want to address problems right away with people who are drifting away from God in some way. Uh, Pastorally, it might be worth thinking through areas where we can be thankful to God before jumping in to sort of solve the problem. These These are people who bear the image of God, people who we have many reasons to be thankful for, and so we should be. Now, uh, verses 3 to 8, which is the, the main section of the letter, and, and as far as we're going to get, uh, the, sorry, the main section of the passage this morning, and as far as we're going to get, uh, as, as far along as we're going to get, uh, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to start by slightly uh, going out of place. I'm going to move to verse 5. Uh, you'll see the words, the true message of the gospel, uh, at the end of verse 5. The true message of the gospel. And that is really the the source for Paul's thankfulness in this passage. He's thankful for this powerful, timeless message. And everything else that Paul thanks God for in in this passage is a direct result of this true message of the gospel. Uh, The gospel, of course, is the good news of the Lord Jesus. Uh, So let's work our way through these verses and and see why that's the case. Uh, Verses 4 and 5 include three things. Things that are often spoken of together, faith, hope, and love. Things that uh, Mel actually prayed for from uh, 1 Thessalonians. 
And Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians that love is the greatest of the three. Love is the thing that binds us all together. But in Colossians, he highlights a different relationship between those three things. Uh, the first reason for thanksgiving uh, is their faith in Jesus Christ. He gives thanks because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, I was at a Christian funeral once, and, and someone got up to give a eulogy. And they spoke about the faith of the person who had died. And they made uh, this comment, I have faith in your faith. I have faith in your faith. Uh, and I think the comment was meant to be an encouragement about the person's faith. And it was to an extent. But really it was a comment without hope. Having faith in someone else's faith is not, is not enough. It's not only, sorry, it's only faith in Christ that makes a difference. Paul doesn't say, I thank God for your faith in Epaphras' faith. It's for their faith in Christ that he thanks God. Uh, and maybe some of us here, we've never quite made that distinction. We're living on the coattails of someone else's faith. But at some point, that faith needs to become our own. Not your parents' faith, not the faith of your friends or your spouse, your faith. It's your personal faith that's a reason to rejoice, just as it, uh, the Colossians' faith was for Paul. But it wasn't just their faith. He then thanks God for their love for all people, all God's people. Uh, there's a love that we should have for all of humanity as God's image bearers, but there's a particular love uh, that we are to have for other Christians, a love that impacts the way we relate to one another. It's a love that is a beautiful thing to witness, uh, and I see and hear wonderful examples of it among our church family, uh, and I'm sure you do too. People making meals for others during difficult times, uh, people helping others move houses or, or with renovations, uh, people caring for those in vulnerable situations in a whole range of ways. Love for God's people. So thankfulness for faith in Christ, thankfulness for love for other Christians. But it's the link that Paul gives in verse 5 that makes things clearer. The faith and love that we've heard about in the lives of the Colossians come from their hope that is stored up in heaven. Many people today would say they don't believe there's anything after this life. But for a Christian, it's very different. Your view on eternity impacts what you do in this life. We have the hope of being raised up with Christ, a hope of seeing God face to face, hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, some of us uh, really recognize our need for hope beyond this life because uh, we're going through tricky times. For, other, for others of us, uh, the treasures of this life are a lot harder to look past. Uh, one commentator says this, The more we have an eye to the treasures stored up for us in heaven, then the freer we will be to love others without, uh, with our earthly pleasure, uh, treasure. The more we have an eye to the treasures stored up for us in heaven, then the freer we will be to love others with our earthly treasure. Uh, and it's interesting to think about, isn't it? Your faith in Christ and your love for God's people reflects the hope that you have in heaven. Uh, imagine someone was to write to the church here at St. Stephen's. Uh, let's call him Paul. Uh, and he writes to us based on 
news he's received about our church. Uh, I wonder what he'd say. Who on earth chose the new minister? Uh, There's some people responsible for that here today. Uh, But what would he say about us as a whole? Would our faith and love be spoken of by those outside our church? Uh, We have this wonderful opportunity at the moment to show our unity in Christ uh, amid our diversity. We have faithful brothers and sisters with a range of views and opinions on things. What would someone like Paul have written to the church at St. Stephen's about our interactions over the past few months? Would he recognise the love we have for one another? Not just on a Sunday, but during the week as well. Would he see a church who is clear on the hope that is stored up for us in heaven, willing to make sacrifices in this life for the sake of others, because we know where our greatest treasure lies? Would Paul be thanking God that the message of the gospel is still the thing that is driving us and uniting us, and the thing that is ultimately bringing us hope? What we hope in, uh, what we hope in, in this life and beyond this life uh, impacts our faith in Jesus and our love for one another. Uh, notice that Paul says in verse 5 that it is the true message of the gospel, literally the word of truth. Truth is, is key. Truth is, uh, is something that is not really valued these days as perhaps it once was. It's something that's treated more and more uh, as something subjective. Truth is seen as something that's determined by the individual. Uh, We hear phrases like, speak your truth, or this is my truth. And and we read things online, and one person says one thing, another person says something different, and we're left wondering what's what. Uh, But amid these ever-changing views on, on what truth is, the gospel gives us clarity. The message of Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord. Uh, And I think Paul uses the word true here because, like our Lord Jesus, it's a message that's unchanging. Jesus is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, And that is the truth. But later on in this letter, we'll see that there's some false teaching that's crept into this church. The true message is being distorted. Uh, So Paul reminds them of the objective truth of the gospel that they first believed. Now, alongside his thankfulness for the gospel in their lives, he's also thankful for the impact of the gospel around the world. Verse 6, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. Uh, A lot of time when people speak about bearing fruit, they're talking about Christians, and the Bible does that a lot. In fact, Jesus often spoke about the importance of bearing fruit. He used it to show us the importance of living lives that honor God. Being able to tell what a person is like based on the fruit that they bear. A good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree doesn't. But it's a lot rarer to hear about the gospel being the thing that is bearing fruit. And Paul doesn't normally write in that way either. He talks about Christians bearing fruit. So it's worth asking why, why the change? And I think the reason, as we'll come to see, the gospel message is the thing that's under threat. Uh, There are some people within the church who are teaching things that add to the gospel, or go against the gospel altogether. And Paul knows about this threat, and so he reminds them, the gospel is bearing fruit. Uh, The gospel is the thing which you first received. This is the one thing that doesn't need any changing. If it ain't broke, you know the rest. 
this is the power of God to save people from eternal judgment and give them eternal hope. Uh, and it's not just bearing fruit among them, but all over the world. Here is a, a message that is true. Here is a message that changes lives. Uh, that is what the Word of God does by God's Spirit. It's, it was true when Paul wrote this letter, and it continues to be true today. Uh, we've just heard from Neil and Rebecca about the gospel in Cambodia. Uh, we hear about the gospel impacting, impacting the lives of, uh, of others through our other mission partners as well. We hear our, how it's being translated into different languages so that others too can be impacted by it. And the way it continues to bear fruit, even amid a global pandemic. All over the world, people are still turning to Christ and finding this lasting hope. Uh, a hope that, try as we may, we will never find outside of Christ. So thankfulness for the true message of the gospel. Uh, there's, there's one other thing that stands out, particularly in verses 6 and 7. Uh, Paul says three things about how they received the gospel. That they heard it, they understood it, and they learned it. Now, Epaphras, uh, Epaphras was one of their own, and he was the one who ministered to them, and they accepted the gospel for what it is. It's not enough to just hear the gospel. It's a great shame when people hear the good news of the gospel, but they don't understand that the grace, uh, and they aren't willing. Uh, they don't understand God's grace, and they aren't willing to learn. It's a bit like having faith in, in someone else's faith. It's, it's hopeless. Recognize this gift of life that God offers us through Christ. Uh, don't keep God at a distance. When someone is impacted by the gospel, like the Colossians, when they hear and understand and learn, uh, when someone goes and tells others about it, uh, it's wonderful reason for us to thank God. As we close, I want to ask you, where do you see the message of the gospel making an impact uh, as you observe your life and, and the life of others. It might be in our church in a particular ministry. It might be in another church. It may be in the lives of those around you. It may be further afield. Uh, wherever it is, thank God for it. Where does the message continue to bear fruit? Thank God for this message of hope that brings life. Thank God that the gospel is still bearing fruit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this uh, wonderful message of the gospel uh, that gives us this eternal hope. Father, we thank you that it is still bearing fruit uh, in our lives uh, and in the lives of those all around the world. Father, we pray that you would continue to open people's eyes to the truth of it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.